You're listening to Real People of Orange County, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. This show is a fun and informative look inside the lives of Orange County's best and brightest. These are people who serve their community in a meaningful capacity on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. So good afternoon. I am your host, Kimberly Martin, and thank you for joining me each and every week here at Real People OC. I have so much fun putting these shows together, and I hope you have just as much fun listening to them. I really appreciate the time you share with us, and hopefully you'll find that your time is well spent. So I'm excited today to bring into the studio um, a couple of yogis. I have with us Yuris Zinbergs and also Stephanie Sutherland, and they're going to talk to us about some events coming on campus, um, a yoga day coming up on May 17th that's free for everyone. So I hope you can join for that if that's something that interests you. But um, we're going to dig a little deeper into yoga and some of the terminology to demystify yoga um, for a new beginner in case you're just not, uh, you don't want to try anything. Um, without knowing a little bit more about it. And, um, and then I just talked to our station manager and he said, oh, you know, I'm way behind. I can't just go take a yoga class. And I think hopefully we'll get to the place in this interview where everyone will feel like they can step into a studio and take a yoga class. So um, anyway, it's with great pleasure that, um, that I bring my guests to the studio today. So welcome. I'm so excited to have Yuris Zinbergs and Stephanie Sutherland in the studio with me today. Thank you, Kimberly. How, how are you all doing? Wonderful. Good morning. Good. Yeah. I, you know, the topic today being yoga, you have to be wonderful, right? You have to be, uh, <laughs> you have to always be light on your feet. And I don't know, that must be the, the, um, uh, the, the intended side effects of leading the yogic path, right? That's what we hope for. Yeah, for sure. A sign <laughs> of good yoga practice is uh, a feeling of well-being and lightness. That's right. All the time? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we strive for. <laughs> right. Well, you probably have bad days like the rest of us, right? Sure. Okay, sure. All right. Well, we won't ask about that. Well, maybe, <laughs> well, I don't know, maybe a little later on. You know me, I like to ask those well, that's, questions. Well, I think that's what the practice can help with. You know, it's, it's something that you do on the mat or when you're in, you know, a, a practice, but really the benefits are what you take home for the, the rest of the time, you know, the, the other 23 hours of, of the day. Of the day, right. Okay, so I'm going to ask for our listeners that you give us just a brief history on who you are Better to you do the bio than to me, and let's hear who you are, and then we'll talk a little bit about what you love, okay? Okay, so my name is Yuris Zinbergs, and uh, I started practicing yoga in 1993. Uh, there wasn't too much uh, uh, yoga uh, as as it is today back then, and uh, so I met uh, my yoga teacher at that time. His name is Gary Kraftsau, and uh, he's the founder of a school called the American Vini Yoga Institute. What's unique about Gary is he he had an opportunity in the 70s to study with a very famous uh, yogi in India uh, by the name of uh, uh, Tirunambalai Krishnamacharya, who was recognized as the teacher of teachers, and uh, he passed away in 1988. Uh, Gary studied with him and his son, T.K.V. Deskachar, for over 20 years, and uh, so I met him in 1993, Gary, and I started practicing yoga with him, and uh, I have completed uh, his teacher training program uh, in the use of yoga postures, which are called asanas, uh, breathing techniques, which is a practice called pranayama, also chanting and meditation, and uh, so I learned these techniques uh, over a course of many years of study, 
And then after that, I completed Gary's uh, training course on using these ancient yoga techniques as a methodology for uh, helping people with acute conditions like low back pain, acute low back pain, knee injuries, hip replacements, or high blood pressure, or insomnia, or anxiety. And so the his, uh, his uh, uh, therapist training program uh, taught me how to apply these ancient yogic techniques uh, to people with acute and chronic conditions. And so right now, what I do is as a, as a faculty for the American Vineyoga Institute, I, uh, I train people in these uh, ancient yogic techniques, and uh, we teach them how to apply them in a modern context. So interesting, uh, because, you know, there really has been such an evolution of yoga. Um, let's pause for a minute, Stephanie. I want to hear about who you are and how you, how you fit into all of this. Okay, thanks, Kimberly. So um, I uh, also have been practicing yoga for um, nearly 20 years now, but actually I just came more recently to formal training in yoga. I also studied with Gary Krafsau, um, just a couple of years ago in a 500-hour teacher training program. Um, but in my, my other life, I'm actually a neuroscientist and a science writer. <clears throat> so I studied neuroscience, and through my own personal practice over the years, I came to realize how similar and how much in common um, modern neuroscience has with the ancient practices and really the science or the system of yoga, which they both, I, I came to realize they both are a way to understand the human mind. And so that was my motivation to go deeper into yoga practice, to do formal training, and to um, to share this practice with others. I'm so fascinated by that that bridge between the ancient practices and modern science. Yeah. I hope that you'll touch a lot on that today, because that's certainly something that... Um, I believe is probably a full circle moment for humanity, right. but they maybe don't know it's happening and how much data and um, information we have to almost maybe prove that that full circle, right? Yeah. Well, there are, you know, a lot of what the ancient yogis taught or, you know, sort of prescribed and practiced. Um, we are seeing scientific studies of those practices now, and they are definitely showing benefits for human health. Um, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I think it would be important to give the tools of the language of how to talk about yoga early on in the conversation. Um, so can we go over some terms and maybe educate the listeners a little bit about, um, they hear a lot of things and I, I find that the language can sometimes be a barrier for people. They want to try something, but they feel really out of it that first step into um, a yoga class. So let's let's demystify some of those terms and educate people a little bit. Can we do that? For sure. So, you know, I think most people, they hear about yoga either fr- uh, from a magazine picture or or maybe their doctor recommends that they they uh, start practicing yoga. And, and so there's lots of apprehension to many students who have not practiced yoga when they come into my class. Uh, most people come in because they uh, they want to do something to help their structure, and so what we do is we teach them these things that are called uh, that are called asanas. Asanas. Asana simply means a posture. So a there, posture. we teach them many kinds of uh, asanas, and then there's also uh, 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 breathing, which is a, a big part of of yoga. We teach them another technique called uh, pranayama, which is a Sanskrit word. Uh, prana means uh, something like your life force. 
And ayama means something to extend. So not only do we teach them the asanas, which are postures to help them with their muscles and and joints, but we also teach them uh, pranayama, which is a a methodology to help them uh, with their pulmonary function. You know, certainly stretching your muscles is very, very important, but more importantly are your organs. So we teach people how to... uh, to have uh, good pulmonary function well, through breathing techniques. Can I say something about the pranayama as well as, a, as the, you know, what else is important besides the organs? From my perspective, maybe the most important organ is the brain and the nervous system. And pranayama and breathing exercises actually give us a doorway in to affect the nervous system directly, which um, we don't have a lot of ways to do that. Um, effectively uh, and non-medically. So the pranayama really can give us a tool to um, affect the nervous system as well as the organs and and the body. Okay. So we've covered asanas and pranayama. Um, Asanas. Asana. Like the asana. Okay, asanas. Um, And I, I had written down that they were poses, but they're really postures because they're a much more active process you're more engaged than posing you're really it it is a posture because you're really actually holding yourself in that place indeed indeed Uh, a classical sanskrit definition of asana uh, can be seat so uh which means sitting right so uh it basically it means uh uh, a a, a posture a, a way to be and so you know different asanas can have different effects on your muscles and joints. They can also have uh, an effect uh, energetically. Some asanas can actually uh, uh, make you more alert, and some asanas can also help you uh, become more calm. So asanas are some asanas, particularly ones that involve uh, uh, asymmetric movements or balancing. So those asanas can have a, a cognitive effect on your brain. Because, uh, you know, the right side of the body is controlled by the left hemisphere and the left side of the body is controlled by the right hemisphere. So these, uh, these ancient postures have uh, uh, many uses and applications. You know, it reminds me of a time when my children were babies and I was a little concerned for them because none of my children crawled. And I, was, I had enough awareness and knowledge about... Um, dyslexia at the time that they've done studies and they really believed that unless that crawling step happened, which is a very vital step in our human development, that the left and the right hemispheres of the brain didn't necessarily learn to communicate as much because the act of crawling really kind of kind of makes that happen. And I, um, I remember my mother-in-law saying how early my husband walked. And I said, well, that's not good. I don't want my child walking at seven or eight months. That doesn't even make sense. Nobody believes that kind of number when they hear it. And sure enough, I guess it had a lot to do with the fact that all of my babies had nice long feet, planks we called them. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to stand faster. And so they did. They almost completely bypassed the crawl, the crawling stage. And I did everything I could not to encourage them to walk. It was really quite funny. But the study of kinesiology is what brought that information to me. I bet there's some strong corollaries to what they're learning in kinesiology to what we're actually healing and doing in yoga. Do you find um, a lot of those those um, those bridges being made between 
what we call modern medicine and modern understandings to what you've been doing all along in yoga practices? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for me, as I said, it just kind of was a slow realization over a number of years. But as I read and studied the sutras, I would read it and they would, you know, have these prescriptions or these practices or um, these ways of thinking about how the human mind works. And, and as I read and studied the sutras, I just realized, look, this is the same things that I'm learning in my neuroscience, you know, studies in, in the lab and in the classroom about there are, you know, parts of the brain or parts of the nervous system that are responsible for thought, for emotion, for mood, for um, sleep, um, and they're all interconnected and that we can affect them. The yogis in particular said, you know, you can affect how those things happen through these practices. Certainly. I I would say, you know, I'm not a neuroscientist. (laughs) I come from, uh, I'm a student of yoga. So, you know, I discovered the what you said the yoga sutras which are basically uh they're a concise text com- compiled by an author uh by the name of, of patanjali of uh the text is actually a uh concise uh enumeration of the philosophy of sankhya uh and so uh when i discovered the yoga sutras it was as if somebody had given me a uh manual on how my body mind functions and what I can do to improve the body mind connection. And more importantly, what I can do to uh, recognize my own cognitive patterns and how Mm -hmm. I can affect them. So yes, that not being a kinesiologist or a neuroscientist, uh, I, I can understand that uh, the the ancient yogic teachings have a modern application uh, for us today. Okay. So if somebody were interested in finding out where those exact sutras are that you referenced, let's give that name out again, if you could, please. Oh, certainly. So uh, the text is called the Yoga Sutra, and uh, the author is uh, uh, Patanjali, P-A-T-A, N-J-A-L-I. And so that's a beautiful name. You know, the, the, the name Patanjali literally means to, to fall into praying hands. You know, Anjali means, you know, when we put our hands together, you know, most people in, at the end of yoga class, they the say namaste. namaste. So they yeah. put their hands together, right? So that's called Anjali. And the word Pat means to fall. <laughs> to fall? <laughs> so the legend is that... Uh, the legend is that uh, people were praying for health and healing and uh, into uh, the praying hands uh, landed this little being uh, and he was the body of a human but the head was uh, thousands of serpents and so the image there is that uh, is that patanjali is an incarnation of ananta which is a snake and uh, the image of the snake is uh, infinity so the the idea of Patanjali, the the metaphoric idea is that uh, he is a, a healer who comes from an unending source of knowledge. Interesting, but we should say that he was a real person. Right? Of course, <laughs> of course, and that he actually didn't make up the sutras, but rather transcribed them or or wrote his understanding at the time. That's right. Mm-hmm. So uh, what's notable about the Yoga Sutra of Patanjali is that it's a uh, uh, an ordered list of 
other ancient teachings, and specifically a philosophical system called Sankhya. So in the in the olden times, there were basically six philosophical viewpoints of reality, and they were in pairs. Uh, Sankhya and Yoga were paired together. Uh, Dvaita and Advaita were also paired together. And uh, Purva, Mimamsa, and Vedanta were also paired together. So these are the ancient, ancient philosophical systems. And so Patanjali uh, compiled uh, a particular philosophical system in four short paragraphs. Each paragraph is about... Uh, oh, oh, sorry, each each chapter is about uh, uh, 50 or so lines. And so as, as, as children in India, uh, kids learn the Yoga Sutras, oh, nice. and then they have the rest of their life to figure out the meaning. So. And, to develop, and to develop the practice. For sure. <clears throat> and uh, the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras, are available in many, many different translations. Do you have a favorite, Iris? Well, you know, so the the Yoga Sutra itself is in is in Sanskrit, but historically there are many uh, traditional commentaries that have been made. Commentaries are are people who are uh, are explaining the sutra. A sutra is is cognate to the English word suture. And so, you know, when you if you cut yourself by mistake and you have to go to the hospital and they give you sutures, yeah. what a suture does is it holds the skin together so that your organs don't fall out, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what a sutra is, it's it's a thread of words that holds a, a deep, profound teaching together with a few short, mm-hmm. concise words. And so the most his, the historical commentary is by Vyasa, which you can find, Vyasa, V-Y-A-S-A, he does a commentary of the Yoga Sutras, but over time there have been other commentaries. In America, you know, we have uh, we have commentaries by oh my goodness, there's Georg uh, Feuerstein. Yeah, Georg Feuerstein. Uh, he has a commentary of the Sutras. Uh, there's also Swami Satchitananda, who has a yoga center in called Yogaville in uh, Virginia. He also does a very good commentary of the of the Yoga Sutras. So, in essence, the teaching of the sutra is the same and unchanging, but everyone has their way of describing what the sutra means. So, I'm sitting here, a parent of young children, going, gosh, I better get this book into my kids' hands. <laughs> Start <laughs> them while they're young. I suppose, um, you know, it's funny, for for a long time, I did a yoga, little yoga class, you know, on television, we would DVR one. And we'd do a little bit of yoga, and then we'd settle in to watch a cooking show, and, then, and that was our nighttime routine. Right. So much for bedtime stories. They kind of lost <laughs> interest in that after a while, even though I was a great reader, but whatever. <laughs> so they liked the cooking show better. <laughs> and somewhere along the line, we dropped the yoga practice because it was taking too long, and we stuck with the cooking show, which has really um, actually turned out some great benefits because the uh, the kids cook for us now. Right. And they're pretty young, so mm-hmm. we've got a 9- and a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old cooking for us but you know i'm going dang i wish i hadn't dropped the yoga so um what do you recommend for for the real young start i mean do you recommend putting that powerful tool of the sutras right in their hands well so you know when i was a child and i was in elementary school i had to learn things like uh, multiplication tables and i also had to learn like the 50 states right and Uh and all of that so as a kid I didn't really know what multiplication was. I just remembered I had to memorize the multiplication tables. I didn't know exactly where each state 
was, you know, in America, but I know I had to memorize all the 50 states. So the, the lesson is that, uh, uh, that even though I did not exactly know what I was uh, learning, I knew that it came from a reliable source, and I learned it, and over time I had a clear understanding of what I was taught. And so the idea of, of learning Yoga Sutras is the same way. You know, my yoga teacher used to say this. He used to say, you know, don't worry if you don't understand what the Yoga Sutra means. In about 26 years, you'll have an understanding. So the important thing is just to start, hmm. especially with kids. That, that, you know, the way to start is by doing things that are fun, yeah. you know, through play, through oh, yeah. play. And I think it's really great for kids. Um, you know, we're having less physical education and activity in schools and less physical activity at home with all the electronics, I, I too have young kids. And I think so many kids just don't get the chance to feel their body and to be in their body. So even like Gira said, doing some fun exercise, just some fun movement and just awareness of their own breath, awareness of their own body. That's a huge gift. That's a huge sort of, um, you know, skill or, or endowment that, that many adults don't have. So true. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to um, 88.9 FM in Irvine. We are KUCI. And we have with us in the studio, Yura Sinsbergs and Stephanie Sutherland. And they are here to share with us um, about, well, first of all, we're going to talk about some upcoming events that are happening locally that people can participate in. Uh, But they are part of the American Vinny Yoga Institute. And so um, I want you to tell me where you guys are located. Can you can you point us to in the right direction? Well, the American Vini Yoga Institute itself can be found uh, if you look on the internet at uh, viniyoga.com. Okay, um, and that would be V-I-N-I yoga. That's right, V-I-N-I-Y-O-G-A, one word, Vini yoga. Vini, like V-I-N-N-Y. Just to be clear. The word Vini yoga itself means the appropriate application of the techniques of yoga for an individual. So Vini yoga, the word Vini yoga itself is a is a very ancient Sanskrit word that comes from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So anyway, so yes, so viniyoga.com. Um, so we have uh, a couple of locations where we uh, run different teacher training and therapist training programs. Uh, one is on the West Coast in the, uh, in the hills above Monterey. Uh, the other one is on the East Coast at a place called uh, Yogaville. Um, myself, I teach yoga classes here throughout uh, Southern California. And at different yoga places? Different, I teach at uh, yoga schools, and I teach at uh, different gyms. I also work with people uh, uh, privately, one-on-one, people that have unique structural uh, or physiological conditions. And also I teach, of course, here at, uh, at UC Irvine through the ARC. I teach a few classes a week there. And we'll, uh, we'll, we will be presenting a, a summer training program uh, in the methodology of, of, of Vini Yoga uh, this summer at the ARC through UC Irvine. Oh, yeah. wonderful. I think that's important to point out because most of the American Vinny Yoga Institute training programs are held in those two locations, but this is a rare opportunity to have um, a, a chance to train. Um, it's called the Vinny Yoga Wellness Instructor Training Program. It's a 200-hour training program after which someone may want to embark on that sort of training for their own personal practice or to become a yoga teacher or maybe even to carry on in further studies to become a yoga therapist. So you might start in a training program for a number of different reasons, 
but this summer you have that opportunity here at UC Irvine. Okay. And the ARC is the... Anita Recreation Rec Center. Center. Yep. That's right. Yep. Okay. Um, so m- many of you listening, you probably don't know this, but um, Uris was a DJ here at KUCI, right? That's right. Can you take us back a little bit and tell us about that time? Uh, well, I Do don't... you remember <laughs> it? <laughs> I remember that uh, I had a radio show Friday nights at midnight, which is the best time to have a radio show on UCI because everyone's out having a good time. So I'm sure the shows are archived and you can probably dig them up. (laughs) (laughs) That's fun. What fun. Okay, so the the course that you're doing here, the summer program, is just an instructor training or is it for individuals that want to learn about yoga? Well, so it's very unique. It's uh, Some people, they want to uh, take a teacher training course just to learn for themselves about yoga with with having no real intention of, of becoming yoga teachers. So this program is very applicable for that. Other people, they they understand and, and can sense the benefits of yoga practice on themselves, but maybe they need a, a, a better way to to share these yoga teachings with others. And so this is another wonderful opportunity to to learn how to communicate yoga to others. Some people actually are so inspired that they want to make a career of becoming yoga teachers. And so with this program, it's a summer-long program. It's from June uh, through October. So it's very short. It's a summer program. And uh, October? Yes. Okay. So June June 6th through October 5th. That's correct. June 6th through October. Over eight weekends. Yeah. And then you can become a yoga teacher that's certified by a board called Yoga Alliance and and have these ancient uh, yogic techniques presented to you in a very uh, rational way that you can share. So a beginner can take this course? Absolutely. Absolutely. We we start from, uh, you know, teaching people about, you know, linking movement and breath yeah. together. You know, the importance of understanding where you are, the importance of understanding the condition of your own muscles and joints. Also, learning to see uh, other structural conditions in others. So we start from a, a very, very basic uh, uh, point, and then we go from there. And we'll, we'll teach you the Yoga Sutra. We'll teach you the history right. and the philosophy of yoga. Well, All of that. That sounds beautiful. Um, if somebody were interested in finding out more or registering for this course, let's tell them how to do that. So you could either go to viniyoga.com, and there are some links to the 200-hour teacher training program, or you could go to yoga with yoga with Uris. Uris. Com. Yeah, so yoga with, and then Uris is J U R I S. J U R I S, Uris. Yoga with Uris.com. And I suspect if somebody were interested in where you give your classes, they could go to your yoga with Uris as well. Yes, there's a complete schedule of, of my classes. I teach all uh, throughout uh, Orange County. Do you have any Uris groupies following you around? We call them Uris purists. Uris purists. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie backs away to to laugh <laughs> from the mic. <laughs> Stephanie, do you teach also? I don't really teach group classes right now. I actually um, periodically offer a workshop called Mind Body Breath: Exploring Neuroscience Through Yoga. Oh, nice! And that will be offered next um, in June down in Encinitas, and for information about me, you can go to stephaniesutherland.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D. 
stephaniesutherland.com. So no E at the end of Stephanie. Right. Okay. All right. Now, okay, Uris. Um, oh, well, actually, before I finish, how much is the class going to cost? Is it through the university that they register? Or? It is It is in conjunction with the university, and it's held here at the rec center, but you would register through, um, well, there's an application available at vinyoga.com, which you can find the links through Yoga with Uris. Um, it is $3,500 for the eight uh, intensive weekends. The courses go Friday afternoon from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m., and then Saturday and Sunday, 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. And we do eight weekends between June and October. And, um, yeah, so it's $3,500 for that uh, that entire course, which is, I think, pretty standard for a 200-hour yoga training program. Okay. Sounds reasonable, but... Um, then again, I don't know, but that does sound reasonable, especially if it's something that could become income producing. Mm-hmm. And if somebody were interested in um, pursuing this maybe as a side career to get through college, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be actually yeah. a great If practice. I might say that, uh, you know, yoga is becoming uh, more and more popular every year. And, uh, and uh, you know, yoga teaching and uh, teacher training programs have also become uh, revenue uh, generating uh, sources for many yoga schools. What what sets our program apart from others is that uh, is that while other yoga schools emphasize simply teaching yoga postures mm-hmm. and also teaching teaching scripts, so uh, many yoga teachers end up teaching the same thing and speaking the same way. What we do that's very unique to other teacher training programs is that we provide. Uh, a groundwork for understanding what yoga is and how to apply it appropriately for yourself and how to apply it appropriately to others. So fascinating. You know, I I want to talk a little bit about why um, yoga has gained in popularity here in the United States and, and what that means for the practice of yoga in general. Um, and then I want to talk about maybe what some of the misconceptions are of yoga. So... Um, what is your opinion of what has happened, both of you, in yoga in the United States over the last 25 years? Uh, as a student of yoga for 20 years, I, I see that uh, that uh, yoga is flourishing, and in many, many positive ways. I can see that, uh, that uh, for example, uh, uh, Swami uh, uh, Vivekananda has centers that are growing on the East Coast. Uh, I can see that uh, Swami Satchitananda has a, a very uh, big flourishing yoga center in, in Virginia called Yogaville. I can see that, uh, that uh, Baba Hari Das has a, a large flourishing community of uh, like-minded yogis in, uh, in uh, California. So, and Self-Realization Fellowship seems to be growing uh, bigger and bigger. So these, That's uh, the one down in Encinitas. Yes, yeah, so these, these long-standing uh, yoga uh, lineages and traditions are flourishing and, and doing, doing very, very well. I see yoga schools are becoming more popular. I can see that uh, many people have, more and more people have an interest in yoga. I think as that happens, though, there tends to be a, a kind of a, as my yoga teacher says, a bifurcation of yoga. So some people begin to practice yoga as a means, not necessarily to study and refine themselves, but as a means of maybe to escape from something else. 
So, and some people take yoga as entertainment, you know, so, you know, traditionally yoga has more to do with checking in and then checking out. And so, yes, yes. So yoga is, uh, is, is exploding in this country and some of it's very rich and very, uh, deep and very profound and very healing. And some of it's more like, uh, having an espresso and more like entertainment, you know? Oh, good, good analogy. Yeah. The other thing I would say about yoga, especially in the last few years, I think that as we talked about earlier a little bit with, you know, scientific study and that really yoga is kind of now, as you said, it has flourished. Um, you know, a lot of people do it as a, as a workout. They think they want to get their exercise through yoga, which is great. You know, it's, it can be a great workout and it can be a lot of fun and feel very good. Um, and it can really confer some health benefits. And I think yoga now we're starting to see, I've, I've noticed in the last few years, especially that it's not just, you know, flexible, limber, young, beautiful, fit people, people of all ages and, you know, with every kind of body are starting to learn that they can use yoga to improve their health, um, their body, mind state. And I think that we're going to see yoga moving more and more into mainstream healthcare. Um, that it will be, you know, many doctors now are telling people to try yoga in conjunction with whatever medical treatment they have. And I, w- I want to also mention there's a big, a big movement in the last, you know, 10, 20 years about mindfulness. You know, you hear a lot about mindfulness, and there's a clinical program called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction that has seen a lot of benefits in scientific studies for many, many conditions, uh, uh, particularly neurological and and just for mental health. So yoga can deliver the same benefits that mindfulness and mindfulness practices can. And in my opinion, I think it can even go further because it involves the body and the breath work. So it's really not just a mindfulness thing, but really strengthening that mind-body connection. And I could mention, too, there was a study done that was published um, uh, uh, about two years ago, that really looked at um, Vini Yoga head to head with a mindfulness based stress reduction for lowering stress in the workplace. That was done by the um, health insurance company Aetna. And they found tremendous benefits to both practices, but in fact, that yoga um, did as well or better um, than mindfulness based stress reduction in that study. But you can see that that positive trend towards even including a mindful, you know, based yes. stress reducer, just even the fact that that's becoming mainstream is remarkable. Absolutely. You say? Yeah. Just just that. Um, that openness, that, right? That openness to mm-hmm. saying, hey, you know, being stressed out is not healthy for that's, you. That's right. <clears throat> I mean, I, um, I had, uh, I was just asking my husband the other day because my husband's a physician. Um, he, I said, you know, how is it that like young, healthy, skinny people are having heart attacks? I said, I don't even understand it. I said, Mm -hmm. it really concerns me. And I said, but of those people that I personally know, and this doesn't count as any kind of medical, um, based study, they're all stressed out people, like more stressed out than I think is normal. And, um, Actually, I shouldn't say normal. More stressed out than would than would produce a positive outcome for you on a daily basis. Right. Um, if you're producing more stress and anxiety than than less stress and anxiety, then it's probably not a good way to spend your time. But um, without being judgmental and stressed out <laughs> people. <laughs> um, but I just I'm fascinated by that because I always associated that you know those risks with you know we have such a strong focus on the obesity epidemic which is so critical 
in our society. But it is fascinating to me that those, you know, that small little data set that I have is, you know, healthy skinny people <laughs> for having that stress. And I'm so fascinated by that. I think certainly uh, uh, stress is a uh, is a seemingly an epidemic in our culture, and uh, you know what's what's unique is that uh, s- emotional stress and and the things that we see around us that cause stress actually have a, an impact on our physiology and our uh, our anatomy, and so you know when we get distressed. Uh, hormones and chemicals are released into our bloodstream, which are absorbed absorbed by our cells, right? And so the best way to get rid of these uh, stress, if I can say stress chemicals, is through movement. And so breathing, movement, any kind of movement, whether it's walking or or, or, or taking a yoga class, what that will do is it'll metabolize the stressors in your cells. And particularly, if I could say with yoga and applying specific uh, breathing techniques can also affect, if I say this correctly, Stephanie, the, the affect the parasympathetic nervous system function that will promote uh, relaxation in your body and your mind. That's right. I think that's really the key that, you know, as I said earlier, that the breath gives us access to the nervous system, and that's through the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and parasympathetic parts of the nervous system that gives us the fight or flight or the rest and digest uh, type of feeling. And and just to, to kind of, with a regular yoga practice, your body will sort of reset. You can you can maintain better control over that autonomic nervous system to keep the stress levels lower, for to keep the stress chemicals from being so released, and just to keep it more sort of balanced and on center. I was explaining to my kids the other day how effective adrenaline is yeah. at completely destroying their ability to move their legs and, 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 and create voice sounds. And <clears throat> my son, I must have told him this a couple of weeks ago, my son goes, well, I'm not sure I like the effects mm-hmm. of adrenaline. And I said, well, it's actually just good to watch your body's response to it. And I think I think that might be where some people are now. They're just overusing the adrenals and experiencing those maybe not so dramatic, the fight or flight response with, that adrenaline gives us, but the more subtle responses to it. Well, the thing about the stress response and the fight or flight response can save your life if you need sure. to escape if you need to fight, you know, it's for fight or flight if you're in a life-threatening situation. But the problem that we face in 2014 in the U.S. and, in, you know, in, in most places in the world today is that we are having chronic stress, and that is detrimental to our health. We know it affects sleep. It affects, you know, the way you eat. It, it, it constantly releases those stress hormones that are very um, hard on the body, and it really affects the entire nervous system. So that is is really what you want to lower is that chronic level of stress. So I'm curious, have, oh, well, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Real People OC, and I'm your host, Kimberly Martin, and I have in the studio with us Uris Zinsbergs, <laughs> I added an S, Zinsbergs, and Stephanie Sutherland, and um, they are talking to us about yoga today giving us a little historical context, but also really helping us understand why an ancient practice would give us such modern benefits for Mm -hmm. the lifestyle that we have today, um, the stressed-out lifestyle. This is a question for the historical context. How in the heck 
did they have the wisdom to develop such a practice? And what was their impetus to do so in a time when, I don't know, maybe looking back, I don't know that I would perceive them as having so much stress, but maybe they had more survival stress. Mm-hmm. What, was, what was the wisdom behind the development of these practices? Well, that's a very interesting question. So <clears throat> I think at the root of it, all yoga teaching can be classified into two groups. Uh, and those two groups, if I can say the words in Sanskrit, uh, the two groups is Shruti and Smriti. Now, the word uh, Smriti uh, means memory. So these ancient teachings were handed down uh, generation by generation by generation by generation, even to this day, and they were handed down orally. So in the ancient times, one would simply memorize these teachings, like I mentioned earlier, and would take the rest of their life to, you know, to understand them and to pass them along with others. Where yoga and the the systems of, of yoga come from are called uh, 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 shruti. Uh, shruti means that which is revealed. So they say that the the origins of yoga are, uh, the Sanskrit word is apurusheya, without any known author. And so, you know, we ourselves experience moments in our lives where we have uh, deep, poignant discoveries about truths, about ourselves and about reality around us. And so these ancient yogis themselves uh, had these moments of, of uh, re- revelation and uh, the moments were handed down for thousands of years. So would it be fair to say that there is some sort of wisdom innate within our being that is there searching for this? Well, what, maybe you, just say what, there. what Patanjali <laughs> would say, what Patanjali would say in the, in the Yoga Sutras is that, is that all human beings have uh, particular qualities, right? Mm-hmm. So those qualities are, you know, we have an, we have a, a more or less uh, addiction to things that are pleasurable, and we also have an aversion to things that create suffering. And what Patanjali says, which is very unique, is he says, he says that uh, uh, we all have an innate uh, survival mechanism it's in our programming. So one, you can, I might say that, uh, that these, uh, yoga teachings, uh, are simply, uh, enumerated processes of, uh, something that is, uh, inherent within us, innate within us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I would say that's, like I said before, that was kind of my realization. Look, this is a science. And what is a science? It's a system, a way to understand. I mean, we have our conception of what science means today in modern society, but the word science means a system by which to understand. And modern neuroscience and yoga, as uh, written down in the sutras, are two systems or sciences to understand the human mind. So it's really a a list of, of what people handed down or understood about how the human mind works. And what's so fascinating to me is that so many systems are out there developing on their own, but they really are just regenerating the same basic patterns of thought that 
end up having a lot of symmetry when you co-align them, you know, mm-hmm. and you set them yeah. next to each other. That's probably what you just Yeah, from psychology, from many mm-hmm. different traditions. I mean, many other different, um, you know, uh, contemplative practice traditions such as Buddhism. You know, there is a lot of overlap um, with yoga. And so, you know, yeah, there are different systems that, that come to similar conclusions about how the how the mind works. And um, I like putting it in the framework of a system because mm-hmm. I think one of the um, one of the barriers that happens for people is if they have a specific spiritual practice, I think they sometimes look at yoga as solely a spiritual practice. And somehow that is not going to line up or be allowed to fit in with their current personal beliefs or spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs. Let's talk a little bit about that. Can we? So, okay. I could say a few words about that. So, you know, what's unique about, uh, about yoga and, and uh, the system of yoga as described by Patanjali is that it's, uh, it's non-sectarian. It's, it, it's not about what religious system, uh, you care to follow. In fact, it will probably improve uh, your uh, link to the religious system that that you're with. So you know, the Patanjali doesn't necessarily want us to change our beliefs. He basically says, you know, look, if you do these practices, you'll gain more clarity, and you will develop more faith. So interesting. And do you have anything to add to that? No, I think that's that's right. And it, that was also a big realization for me. I mean, I wouldn't go so far as, I don't know if I would call myself an atheist, but I'm not a religious person. I, you know, I feel my my connection is, you know, sort of to the, the oneness of universe, you know, rather than a particular deity. But I think what Yura said is right, that the, the practice of Yura's, <laughs> the practice oh, of yoga <laughs> can fit with, with any spiritual practice that you already have. Or if you don't have any, you might develop one um, through yoga, not in a deity worship sort of way, but in, in a way of really understanding the link between yourself and every other being on this planet and in this universe and how we're all interconnected. Um, that, that, to me, is very rich as a spiritual practice. Certainly. So... Um, I promised in the beginning to demystify some of the terms, and I wanted to bring up some that I know that I I have heard trip people up when they're um, going to yoga classes. Um, there is that I have come across, and I'm sure there's many, many more, but of the types of yoga, um, there's vinyasa yoga, Iyengar yoga. If I'm saying this incorrectly, you can correct no, you're me. Right. Yeah. Ashtanga yoga and Hatha yoga. Um, can we talk about a little bit of those differences? And then do you have a few more that you'd like to add? Like Vinny yoga. Well, Is yeah. Vinny different than Vinyasa? <laughs> well, so uh, I'll start with Vinny yoga. That's okay. my favorite. So okay. <laughs> Vinny yoga is a Sanskrit term that comes from uh, the yoga teacher uh, Krishnamacharya. And the word Vinny yoga literally means the appropriate application and placement of the techniques of yoga relative to that individual's own development. So that's what Vinny yoga is about. So what we do is we teach people how to use asanas, which are the postures, pranayama, which are the breathing techniques, in a way that's appropriate for where you are right now. Oh, so it's a little bit more subtle, maybe wouldn't force a person into a posture that they that's right we might not teach you how to do the splits in the first yoga class oh (laughs) so like that so we start where you are and we use the principles and the the techniques of yoga to to uh, work with you right where you're at so now 
there were some very uh, popular systems in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. One of them uh, is a type of a yoga that was espoused by a student of Krishnamacharya's whose name was BKS Iyengar. And so he called his form of practice Iyengar yoga. And Iyengar yoga is a very uh, uh, well-thought-out uh, system that is primarily organized around yoga asanas. So it's all a, it has to do uh, with using postures or the, the, the postures of yoga to uh, bring symmetry, stability, appropriate range of motion, and functional uh, bony alignment in the structure. So that's that's another different system. So that's called Iyengar Yoga. Then there was another student of Krishnamacharya's whose name was uh, uh, K. Patabi Joyce. And uh, he was a student of Krishnamacharya's for a number of years, for uh, uh, 20 years, I believe, or so. And uh, he left uh, with Krishnamacharya's teachings. And he uh, had some uh, uh, students. Some of them were Americans. And uh, his system is called Ashtanga Yoga. And so Ashtanga is another Sanskrit word. Ashta means eight. Anga means limbs. So in so uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra has eight limbs in it, which is called Ashtanga Yoga. So this type of yoga uh, is uh, very popular in the United States. It's not so much oriented ab- about uh, 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 all of the eight limbs, but it's primarily a system of yoga where there are six different series that one practices repeatedly over a long period of time. And again, the intention is to, uh, you know, have good structural mobility, structural symmetry, uh, good breath control, and so on and so forth. So that's called Ashtanga Yoga. So it's basically a series, of a six different series that one practices uh, for a prolonged period of time. Quite, It's quite rigorous, wouldn't you say? Quite rigorous. Yeah. And then, so then there are many other offshoots. You know, now we have you know, Pilates and yoga. We have stand-up paddle boards and yoga, <laughs> you know, and we have, uh, you know, the, the word Hatha yoga. Hatha yoga uh, can be traced to a text called Hatha Yoga Padipika. Uh, I think currently people use the word Hatha yoga as a means to uh, describe uh, specific practices uh, for, uh, again, taking care of the, the physical body using uh, yoga postures and, and, and so forth. So would you would it be fair to say maybe not so much of an emphasis on breath and movement at the same time? Or maybe all of yoga is pretty much that? Well, I think one of the gifts of Krishnamacharya and, uh, and his son, especially in our tradition of yoga, is the, is the principle that, that breathing itself initiates movement in your body. In fact, what, what one can say is that, is that first we have attention, and then we have an intention to do something, and then we use uh, breath and intention to move, to affect us. So if the, what's unique about vini yoga that, that is a little bit different than, than the systems of ashtanga and vinyasa and hatha yoga uh, is the, the use of, of breathing as the means to initiate uh, initiate movements. It's a very breath-centric practice. Okay. And since you asked Kimberly about vinyasa specifically, Iris, could you just say a little bit about that word, vinyasa? So it's vin- very popular. Vinyasa is a type of a yoga that's very, very popular. And it, and it basically, as people use the word today, it means flow. It means to flow from one posture to another posture to another posture to another posture, 
almost like a like a dance, a dance. Okay. And that's a typical starting point for a lot of people in yoga classes is to take us a, a, a more, a softer yoga, and I don't know why, but they always say, why don't you start with a vinyasa flow class <laughs> rather than some of the other more rigorous ones? Of course. I think, you know, the benefit here is that the benefit here is that the sooner we start doing something about our health, you know, the the better off we'll be in the long run, you know, so anyone that undertakes yoga, whether it's hatha yoga or or vinyasa flow yoga or ashtanga yoga, anyone that undertakes that is on their way to better health. And I think that, you know, we all have to start somewhere. Right. And, uh, you know, as we practice more and more, we become better and better. And many people tend to dive deeper and deeper into yoga. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the important thing is that is that we start. Is that we start. And that we maybe get that book to our children when, when they're young. <laughs> For sure. What, what is the, um, the interest in the hot yoga? Why is that such a burning trend, if you will? <laughs> That's funny you say burning trend. <laughs> well, I'm guessing that, you know, it's, it's probably really hot in India in December <laughs> when they're practicing yoga. So there may, be some, there may be some link to that. As I understand, the origins of, of the hot yoga and the hot vinyasa yoga uh, come from uh, uh, a tradition called uh, uh, Bikram yoga. Mm-hmm. And so Bikram, he's a very interesting fellow. He was, uh, his brother was a student of a famous uh, yoga swami, Paramahansa Yogananda. And, uh, and uh, what, what Bikram uh, did was that he took uh, specific exercises and uh, he taught them to his students in a hot room, and I'm I I'm personally I don't know why I would I would suspect that that a heated room the the warmth might increase blood flow and mobility, uh, and it also it produces sweating. So you know there's some wisdom behind that. So anyway, so from this evolved this um, kind of a I guess a blending of the flowing yoga and the hot yoga and. Okay. All right. Well, so we're drawing down on our time. Let me just get some final thoughts from each of you and also find out about some that you have um, here at UCI and anywhere else in Orange County at large. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I just, um, I I thank you, Kimberly, for inviting us. And um, I hope that, you know, one thing I'll say as sort of my parting thought is that when I undertook, as I said, I've been practicing yoga for many years before I undertook formal training. And once I started formal training with Gary Krafzow, with Uris, and other teachers, I realized um, there's this word in Sanskrit, sadhana, and it's sort of like a commitment to the practice, um, a discipline, where even if you practice five minutes a day, you commit yourself to that little bit of time to dedicate to the practice and and that will it will show benefits you will reap rewards from even just a few minutes a day if you make that commitment and that realization was so huge for me just in the last couple of years so i want to encourage people to try a class but then even just think about you know something that you could um, develop a yoga practice that's even just a few minutes it doesn't have to be a way of life you know sure, sure. And, and if you want to try a class you can find us uh, at com. You can go to my website. You'll find a complete schedule of my classes. Uh, we'll also find that uh, we're doing uh, a yoga day, which is coming up on May 17th. And uh, that will be happening at the uh, UC Irvine Anteater Recreation Center. You can uh, get a link to that from my website. You can also contact uh, the Anteater Recreation Center, and uh, they'll provide you with more information. And of course, you know, our 200-hour 
uh, Yoga Alliance Vini Yoga Wellness Instructor Program. Uh, you know, please take a look at that as well. That'll be happening uh, June 6th, and that's a four-month program. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so glad you took the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for Thank you. visiting Real People OC. Thank you.